Hello and welcome to episode 120 of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Plannerverse. With me is the illustrious Steve Morton. Hello, Steve. Hello. Good evening. <laughs> good evening. Good morning. We are yeah. we are reaching out to you from both sides of the world. Steve's got that side. I've got this side. Isn't it clear now to everyone? <laughs> yeah, it's as dark outside as ever. <laughs> it's just getting light here. Uh, today we've got a very interesting topic. Uh, we sort of put our heads together on this one, and uh, there seems to be a desire in the YouTube verse to want to create endless videos on EDC, everyday carries. And whilst the topic is interesting and we have this um, stalkerish desire to want to see what other people are carrying in their own bags every so often or look inside other people's planners and see what they've got written down, the idea is that once you've got your set together, what do you do with it? Yeah, so it's great that everyone's got the ultimate this and the ultimate that, and this is the best pencil for that, and this is the best tool for this. But what are you actually producing with it? So I kind of threw this topic around to Steve, and he came back with, yeah, it's it's not an everyday carry. What did you call it? A, it's an everyday use or something like that. Yeah. It's something clever. <laughs> and he's right, though. It's an everyday use um, item or a set of items. And we wanted to get into the topic of workflow and preferences to develop good work habits because both of us are content creators and both of us have now lived through this pandemic. And both of us are sort of, well, we're going to keep on chugging and doing the things that we do, but what is it that gets us to where we're going? How is it that Steve and I are producing this podcast and um, others are not? Like, so what's what's the big deal? <laughs> I didn't mean that to be a dig at anybody. I just meant that, you know, here's something that we're producing. Um, Social distancing at its ultimate <laughs> limit of, what is it, 7,000 miles or something crazy? <laughs> right. I mean, you really have to... Um, either be very good friends with someone to have this level of commitment or really want to irritate them on a daily basis to keep coming <laughs> up with content going, what are we talking about this week? So, uh, it's about as writing a blog every day. Mm, who does that? <laughs> I don't know. Not me. Uh, but what I do does require a lot of writing. And um, as a content creator, my writing takes place in analog and digital mediums. And so I do actually keep notebooks down when I'm talking to clients I'm on the phone with them and I'm taking notes physical notes on paper with pens and um, then time comes to transfer data that they've sent me onto a medium that's going to be socially acceptable for either myself and the client both of us to be able to edit this document and manipulate the content it wouldn't make sense to send him a picture a digital picture of my notes right that's not very helpful <laughs> And so there's a standardization that occurs in the world, and that's where I think computers fit in, to be able to standardize the weather, the way that we communicate with one another. Mm. Uh, and I have, over the course of the years, developed and honed and tweaked and edited and curated and defined and created this specific workflow that's allowed me to have some good work habits. Um, and this is what this episode is about. We want to share some of our favorite writing tools, devices, setups, workflows, hacks, things like that, that allow us to continue creating content, uh, things that allow you to maintain good work habits 
And don't forget, folks, to enjoy the process. We only go around this thing once, right? The whole point of everything that we're doing, why are we creating content? Why are we, as artists, why do we create anything? Um, and I think that's the conversation that we'd like to have today is what does the process look like for you? Steve, I know we've discussed ad nauseum sometimes the, um, the workflow that you decided to lay out once as to what it takes to create the podcast, the actual algorithm. And you had gotten to like page 576 of <laughs> step 4097 and it was, you know, turn page. Painful. And <laughs> it's, it's a good job I can do it in my head. <laughs> right. Without needing to refer to the actual list and ticking things off as we go, as I go, the sheer yeah. volume of things that our brains do on a daily basis yeah. without us having to break it down is staggering. Mm. And I think that's what you were trying to prove that it seems like a seamless process. It seems like oh well, it's yeah. nothing. Just ask Steve to do it, right? And he's got it done in three <laughs> minutes. And then of course you ask me to do it, and I'm like, what's what? Where's the power button? What what are we doing here? <laughs> It's, it's interesting that it was through someone actually asking me how many steps it takes for you to do just a any task. They were just asking nothing. They didn't specifically ask about the podcast, but I used yeah. the podcast as an example to sort of break it down. Yeah. And it was an interesting sort of paper exercise or thought exercise as to what do you actually do? And it's not something new to me because I've been involved in sort of similar things over the years at work where you had like a control manual, if you like, sure. of different processes that were required to be done um, in the workplace. And those once documented formed the sort of part of this sort of like manual it might have been, you know, how do you start the emergency generator and what do you have to do to get the thing to get it to transfer power to the building and turn off the mains and, and so on and so on and so on. And so they're, they're they're sort of sort of instructions, if you like, that are there for, you know, if in doubt, if the the the, the main expert isn't there then you can hand over this in set of instructions to a suitably competent person to get them to do go through the, the sort of step-by-step instructions without killing himself and half the world around himself. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting process to go through. And as you say, we, we do a lot of things without even needing a written set of instructions every day. But, you know, sometimes... It, it's surprising um, what you, you know, if you did have to break it down for someone else to do what you do each day, um, you'd be there forever. Well, that's, that's exactly part of the reason why we're doing the podcasts. And I think why you and I have common ground in so many areas is that we understand that the ability of a business to be successful is the ability of the owner to walk away from it and have the business still keep running. So if you look at your life as a business and you look at the ability of you to walk away from it as far as a holiday goes, let's say, for example, what are the moving parts of this that still can keep moving without you there being present and being present? So that's part of the workflow that we're talking about. That's part of the productivity, because when all of these things are 
flowing automatically and you've got systems in place to catch them so that you do have someone who can read the standard operating procedure Mm. for what happens when something breaks down in the house. Who do you call? What do you Mm. scramble? Do you start asking your neighbors? What do you do? So it's a basic thing. But if you've got these systems in place, then that allows your brain to free up the space and the time that it needs to think about great ideas, right? I mean, isn't that the mm. whole point? That's why we want some free time so we can relax. Why are we relaxing? So that we can free our brain to think about these things. A close friend of ours recently has been sort of trying to put in place um, sort of details of their affairs, if you like, should they become incapacitated mm. through illness or whatever. Um you know, best to do it now rather than wait for it to actually happen, obviously. And they started talking about um, passwords to sites. Well, crikey, that can run to hundreds of different logins these days. The first idea they came up with was they were going to put it onto a spreadsheet. And I went, no, don't do it. Because you can imagine if someone has to come along afterwards and access any of these sites yeah it's a multiple operation to transfer each separate bit of information from this spreadsheet for want of a better word into your browser you know you've got the the site address the username the password and then any security questions you you, so you can be bobbing in and out of this spreadsheet like a yo-yo almost it would have been frantic to say the least i said look use a password manager okay we don't maybe we don't like software but in this case it's it's a fairly secure thing you can share the overall vault if if you like with a trusted person and they'll have the thing where it just says log in and you just click the button and it goes automatically to the site and it automatically puts in your username and password, job done sort of thing. Went, right. Oh, do those exist? I said, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> they've gone away to uh, reconstruct the whole uh, thing. And I said, one other benefit is it'll check for all your co- duplicate passwords. They went, no. <laughs> panic <laughs> so i haven't seen what they've been doing but i suspect there's lots yeah. of duplicate and easy to guess passwords because the thing's going to sort of alert them to all these um leaked passwords i suspect um, my my apple phone has been doing that has been giving me a list of passwords that were hacked and then that i should probably go in and change mm. so i've got my little list going for that um, and I also have a paper backup to mm. the digital vault because I don't know where I'm going to be one day and I, maybe I can't access my vault and I'd like to have at least mm. the main sites, yeah, the things that mm. make my life easier by being able to have digital access. I'd like to keep those handy. Um, but let's get into it. So as far as writing tools, uh, the ones that I use, and I've fallen in love with the Sharpie retractable ones. Have you seen the mm-hmm. ultra fine points? In retractable, not not personally. I tend I've tend been using for a few years now either friction pens, which are the erasable ones, or um, for more sort of permanent stuff. Uh, just looking at it now to make sure I get the right name. Uh, Uniball Vision Elite, which I okay. bought ages ago, 
um, because they're leak-proof, even on airplanes, which is quite handy. Uh, I also use pencils, surprisingly. Yeah, I do enough. too. <laughs> so I use the Sharpie Retractable Ultra Fine Point. Mm. I, I was using the Ultra Fine Point regulars, but the bigger mm. barrels on the retractables is nice because you get to have a better grip with your hand. Mm. Then I used a Stadler um, ErgoSoft color pencils, and that's how I do my highlighting. I don't actually use a highlighter. I just color in because I color code. I don't know if people know that or not, but I color code my tasks in my calendar and I have a key that I use so that I can look at a week's worth of writing, for example, or a month's worth of writing and determine which color is being used least and focus on being more inclusive of that color. So that means there's an aspect of my life that's not being included. Mm. So I do that. And then I like the Blackwing sharpener and pencils um, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're really, really um, sharp and oh. nice and just handy and dark, and the lead mm. comes out nice and dark. Um, as far as planners go, I've really changed the way I plan uh, in the last year. I've switched over to letter size planners now, and I'm using mm. Discbound. I'm very happy with the system. I'm very happy with the system. Um, I, I'm using the Levenger Circa letter size. Mm-hmm. And I use different tabs for client intake forms and meetings and things like that. If I have a specific project, I use the Molsky notebooks because I like to keep those projects intact and not mm. papers running amok. Um, and then I have like the half size, half letter size for, uh, or like a Filofax personal address book. I, I still keep the Filofax as the personal size ones for, like I said, the address book, list of gifts, cards, anniversaries, things like that. Things that I need to have lists and carry with me. I like to have them with me. I don't like them in the in the larger planner that doesn't get carried all the time. Where you're using um, a lot of paper for stuff that's not necessarily planning stuff, but where you're making a lot of notes and what have you, makes an awful lot of sense to use the paper size that is common to where you live rather than trying to adopt a4 if you're living in the US for instance because it's just not available so it makes an awful lot of sense to use letter or it's been life changing it's been absolutely um, life changing to have and like for example a piece of mail will come in correspondence well. will come in and I'll just hole punch it exactly. and pop it into my planner and there's no yeah. yelling and screaming with the papers that are already in there as to <laughs> why this foreign sized object suddenly doesn't fit everything yeah. fits and I, I really like it which, uh, which planners are you I'm still using um, A5 as my main size with all my sort of home printed inserts of one description or another. Simply because it it just works for me because my situation hasn't really changed that much and the pandemic's not really sort of hit me work, you know, because work-wise it doesn't, you know, I'm not not involved in sort of work on a sort of a normal sort of traditional way. And so most of my sort of activities haven't really changed that much. Um, I still journal each day, and I I tend to use um, fountain pen for that in a sort of an A5 bound uh, planner, which I've just adapted to use as a journal because it's it's, it's easy because it's, you know, in the end of each year I can just sort of file the thing accordingly. but I, I like using, I don't know why, because my handwriting is terrible and always will be. Um, I tend to like using um, fountain pen um, for that because it's, from an archive point of view, I suppose it's, it's best. 
Yeah, I was going to say, don't don't use your friction pens for that. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Been caught out with that before. Somebody tried to, I'd filled a form out and someone laminated it and all the wording just vanished in front of their eyes. Yeah, so this is a public service announcement since we're here. For those of you that think using friction pens is a good idea, heat will dissipate the ink. So if you've left your planner in a hot car... Yeah, uh, your content might very well disappear. That's why I don't use friction pens, and I use Sharpie Permanent yeah. Ultra Fine Point. I, must admit, I tend to only use content. it for when I'm using it for planning blog posts and things that might change, so I can right. sort of just quickly rub it out and whatever. Yeah, it makes sense. Or pencil. It's just as easy with either, really. I tend to, then, even though I've only got two pen notes, there's. there's <laughs> Sort of four pens and a pencil sat next to my planner. It's a bit silly, really. I've actually been getting rid of a lot of... Um, I've, I've gone through and looked through all of my stationery, and they mm. had an immense number of ballpoint pens collected from various hotels and things. Really don't need them. Um, no. Not using them. So I, it was a huge void now. Suddenly I was able to discard a couple of dresser drawers I had in my home office and... Um, I'm, I'm a lot happier using just the designated number of markers. Mm. Uh, as far as digital devices, I know you and I both tend to uh, lean towards the Apple devices only because we've been doing so since the get-go. For, yeah. like, 1984, I've, I think, is uh, that was the first time I've I had I've been a, my, an Apple user Mac. since about, not exclusively at first, but initially since about 2008. And yeah. then... I swapped completely from about 2009 and the Windows machines by that point that I owned at that time had become not redundant. They were still working, admittedly. Um, But I went went over to a 27-inch sort of iMac in 2009 and ran that thing into the ground and it got replaced sort of 10 years later. I got my second... Uh, Can I just tell you that I'm still using a 2008 iMac, and it's fantastic. The only reason Mm. I gave up my previous Mac is because Apple stopped um, updating software Mm. for it. It was still functioning. So that's, you know, people say they cost a little bit more. Yeah, they do cost a little bit more, but Mm. you're not replacing them every year. You're not replacing them. In fact, this one got hurt on the move here to Las Vegas, and I was able to get it repaired. So that Mm. worked out well. Um, I use an iPad Pro 12.9-inch tablet when Mm. I'm on the go. I use the white Magic Keyboard. Um, I've got actually an iPad Mini coming in. The 6 is coming in today. And I've decided to use this as my consumption device as far as um, media. Mm. And I find that it's actually working. Well, in the times that I tested it, I found that it actually worked better than my Kindle in terms of being able to have books with me because there's a lot of imagery that doesn't show up on mm. the Kindle and whereas a, a tablet does. And I really didn't want to have to switch over to another format. Like Kin- you were mm. suggesting at some point the Kindle. Yeah, what was Amazon it? The, Fire. The Fire, that's the, what it was. The Amazon Fire tablets, yeah. Yeah, I just uh, didn't want to get into a whole other series of having to get mm. apps on another format. And mm. so I'm, I'm in. And I use the AirPods for, like, for example, I'm Mm. using those now for our recording. Mm. If I want to have some quiet and everybody's being loud, I use the Bose 
noise canceling mm. headphones. My husband had got me those a few years back, and they're absolutely brilliant. If mm. anybody needs some noise canceling, I would say go to Bose for that. They really know what they're doing. I, I've got an old pair of those, and I, I wear them when I'm doing the cutting the grass. It's brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can actually listen to music whilst going around with a, a loud motor mower. Yeah, you'd <laughs> be surprised. And well. I've, I've tried. I've tested out um, Sony's noise cancelling and it really doesn't even come close to mm. how well Bose have got this figured mm. out they've done a lot of research on it and it shows so and mm. I for me it's important sometimes I really absolutely need quiet or I just want to mm. be able to s- remove myself from the world and that's part of the creating a good flow and maintaining good work habits is the ability to have these tools handy mm. so that you can create the atmosphere and the ambience that you need to get work done because work doesn't just magically happen right it's just Mm. Wake up one morning, and go. Ah, oh, I'm suddenly I've, feeling so I've got, productive at six think in the how morning. Many pairs of headphones I've got must be three or four different one pairs for for different purposes. If you like, I've got a pair of noise yeah. cancelling ones if I want to isolate myself completely. Um, I've got a pair that are not noise cancelling, but they do surround your ears, so they're comfortable over a long period of time. I've got some uh, Bluetooth sort of on-air ones, which you can, you're still in contact with the world more or less around you but you're not disturbing them sort of thing i suppose in a way i've started Um, using my uh, airpods more for taking phone calls and mm. getting work done while at on my desk yeah while you do have some noise cancelling apple does have but it's nowhere near what bose offers but Mm. it's still better for me to not have to pick Mm -hmm. up a physical device right i can just yeah so you're hands-free you can sort of Mm -hmm. take notes and all the rest of it uh, so you still have your L-shaped desk? Yes. Me too. I have, I still have played it. around <laughs> with redesigning the office, but it didn't work <laughs> out because it, it just didn't wouldn't have worked um, particularly well. Mainly because of the height of the the iPad, uh, the iMac wouldn't fit underneath the cupboards because we're a bit restricted on ceiling height um, here in the downstairs office. You should so just get bit, smaller cupboards. Yeah, well, we need to reduce in height ourselves. Yeah, but then what, what if you, if I got a smaller cupboard, I wouldn't be able to have such a big uh, Filofax collection. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, I see that. Nothing in my madness. If anything, I need yes. a bigger cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> or a Crux second of the one. <laughs> yeah, I need to clear so, this other cupboard out and then I can start squirreling them away in there without someone else. You know, space there. has a tendency to fill this, uh, stuff has a tendency yeah. to fill the space you well, give it, right? Or I need a TARDIS cupboard. <laughs> it's becoming <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. There we go. So I'm actually going to be switching from my L-shaped desk that I've had since 2012, I think it was, or 13. Mm. Uh, it was an IKEA set. And I think we're mm. going to be building a straight desk mm. against the wall to have that. And I'm going to be adding some felt dampeners to mm. soundproof the office a bit so that when we do our recordings, they sound mm. better. I've got this big gap behind my sort of iMac, which, of course, is just underused completely, really, because you can't get to it easily. You should put some mood lighting there so it lights up the backspace. Yeah. (laughs) An uplighter, Um, maybe. Yeah. What kind of lighting do you require when you're doing work? Do you need the the overheads? It's sort of diffused uh, lighting overhead. Which is okay. It's not that bright, but in in some ways, I don't like bright light above me. Um, oh yeah. When I worked in a big office, 
I was <laughs> noted for actually sort of disconnecting the um, fluorescent <laughs> tubes that were above my desk, so I was in more or less not darkness, but um, not in complete bright. Did you light. use a task lamp? Yeah, because I, I then have a, a desk light instead, so it, it was shining down on the paperwork or books yeah. or whatever I was. I prefer that too. I really don't like overhead lighting yeah. unless it's focused can mm. lighting, if you know what I'm talking about, mm. right? Those bigger bulbs, not the fluorescent ones. Yeah. Um, I use a Dyson task lamp. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a sale, I think, eight, 10 mm. months back. And I noticed, I was like, oh, what's, what's this deal with the task lamp? Let me tell you, it has made a world of mm. difference mm. because the entire room could be dark but mm. I have this little lamp on and it actually focuses, helps my mind focus on the task at hand instead of showcasing everything else around it so my eye gets distracted. Um, and there is a sense of uh, quiet and ambient nature of a task lamp that I think isn't found in most corporation, like when they have the corporate lighting, the fluorescent light bulbs and things like that, it's really off-putting. If I could shut all of those off and just give everybody a task lamp, I'd be very happy <laughs> with the world. And and to me, it also creates a softer environment that that's necessary for me to be able to write well. Alison suffers from this sort of sunlight deficiency. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. but The SAD? The, yeah. So the she's disorder, bought, right? Yeah. She's but like a small desk lamp that literally shines um, the equivalent of, like, sunlight. Seasonal affect disorder, that's what it is. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah, so she's got one of these lamps that sort of um, give her sort of the equivalent of sunlight for, say, an hour or so in the morning. Yeah. Just to sort of wake her up, as it were. What colour are they? It's it's a normal sort of white light, but it's not too distracting, I find, even though it... Illuminates the room quite a lot. It doesn't seem to be too bright, you know, huh. not like standing in sort of front of, you know, a big spotlight type thing. Um, it's fairly well diffused, so it's quite soft in that sense. I've found that there's different times of the day and there's different types of weather also that affect my mood and what kind of work I'm willing to do. I've mm. actually paid attention to this and I've found that. I'm a lot less creative in the morning and I'm a lot more creative in the afternoon, Um, especially so early afternoon and later in the evening, like 6, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. is when it starts to hit me again as Mm. far as being able to get some creative bursts out. So I've actually plugged away those times for myself to do the work that I know has is pending. Like if I have something that's on my desk and I, I need to get it done, please don't interrupt me. Those are the hours that I will actually set aside to get that work done because naturally that's how my body's choosing to do work. And it helps. Like I, I love the weather. I keep an eye on the weather everywhere I go and I like to track the weather in various parts mm-hmm. of the world. Part of that is understanding what the climate's going to be like and what you can expect to to dress for Mm. while working from home i know people think well you could be in your pajamas all day it's actually not very conducive to doing work because all you want to do is get back into bed at that point and you're not thinking about being creative you're not thinking about producing anything you're thinking about napping and Mm. i find that i actually get dressed all the way down to my shoes every day when i sat at my desk and then if i want to take a break i can go and get changed into other clothes but again the weather has a huge impact on that 
Um, you, I actually haven't gotten to Steve levels yet in terms of how I track my weather at home, but what was the system that you used to track your weather at home? We have a, a weather station called Netatmo, N-E-T-A-T-M-O, I think. Um, it's a French company that, um, sell this thing. It's sold fairly widely throughout the world, in fact, now. And it has a bunch of sensors that you can have a, a rain gauge, um, something that measures the wind direction, wind speed. They're sort of like an optional. You have an outdoor module and an indoor module as the, the basics, if you like. The outdoor module measures temperature, humidity. Um, barometric pressure. Yeah, barometric pressure. The indoor one does uh, temperature, humidity, CO2 content, which is interesting. Yeah. And... Um, a few other params sound it also measures and then you can buy additional indoor modules for say different rooms in the house um, we've got a couple of extra ones and it'll alert you if the co2 level in the room goes above a certain amount so if you're feeling drowsy that's most probably the reason is the co2 you, know, you need to ventilate the room and what have you i'd um, pay a lot of money to have you call me in the morning and tell me what the temperature is going to be and then just hang up on me. Just call and tell me and then hang up. Like the shipping forecast, you know, just a <laughs> drive-by call. <laughs> but this thing's quite good because it reports itself. Um, all the stats and what have you are relayed onto the internet. So if you're the actual um, owner of the weather station, you can see all of that information on a web page. And you can publish part, certain parts of the information publicly as well, which I do. I love it. I think it's important. Website. I don't think people pay attention to the weather enough. Mm. I live in an extreme, like what some would consider extreme part of the world. And yeah, yeah in the summer, it is extremely warm. Um, but I do know that by keeping track of these things and mm. keeping a daily habit of what I'm doing with my time allows me to better understand where my creative spurts are and be able to include those in my daily planning mm. and not try to just white knuckle my list through and just be like oh i gotta get this stuff done it's like okay well it's gonna get done a lot quicker if you don't force yourself through it and allow yourself to work within the ambient structure mm. of your life with what you've got going on i hope this helps i hope this helps someone out there in the planetverse realize that if you've got the tools that work for you these are the tools that work for us but if you've got the tools that work for you make it work and see when you're being more productive and take mm. note of that. Small changes is the, Always. Is the key. Always. Yeah. That's the key to success. Don't dra tra change your whole system drastically. Yep. Just do a small incremental change and see if that improves things or look for what small change could improve um, how you sort of go about your day, you know, how you use your planner or, or whatever. So we shall we draw this one to a close at this point, Green? I or? think so. I think we're good. So where can we find you on the interwebs? You could find me at planarology.com, at throatpunchresumes.com, and on the Instagrams at Corinne Tovmasian. Where can we find you, Steve? As usual, I'm at falafaxi.com, travelersnotebooktimes.com, and Mr. Falafaxi on Instagram which I must be paying more attention to because I missed a message that had been there all week the other day. Oops. Oh, it's Steve. been one of them weeks. 
don't remember folks if you've enjoyed this podcast don't forget to like it subscribe to it and share it Thank you.